On today's show, we've got a Locked On crossover event as we explore potential Houston Rockets trades with the Brooklyn Nets. Could they get involved with the Nets on draft night to either move up or down or anywhere around in this year's NBA draft? What is Brooklyn trying to do? Are they trying to remain competitive? Would they maybe be interested in getting some of their draft picks back from Houston? And is there a possibility that we could see Mikhail Bridges end up in a Rockets jersey? All that and more coming right here at Locked On Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green, Alperon Shingun, and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Hey, Houston fans, I am so happy. You're getting somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's going to come, come in and compete from day one. Six, five, four, three, two. One. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian, a credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin. And the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like comment, and subscribe. Now, today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked on Rockets part of your day every single day, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts and on YouTube, whether it's on the way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for making LOR part of your day every single day. All right, welcome back to another Locked On Network crossover podcast. Doug Norrie, Locked On Nets, Jackson Gatlin, Locked On Rockets, two teams that now seem weirdly tied their fates together for the rest of eternity. Because that's starting to how see how that's starting to seem how it feels between these two teams. <laughs> Jackson, how's it going, brother? The the rest of eternity or the rest of maybe just the decade? It feels like I guess at this point, Doug. Uh, hey. it, Man, it's it's going well, um, and we've got a lot to unpack today because it, it very much feels like, like you already said, right? These two teams are kind of tied at the hip with the Rockets owning the Brooklyn Nets draft capital through the latter part of this decade and going into this year's NBA draft and this offseason, right? Kind of a pivotal offseason for the Rockets and maybe a pivotal offseason for the Nets where depending on the direction the franchise wants to go, right? Maybe they want to recoup some of those assets by way of trade and kind of change the direction that things are headed right now. Yeah, it's really weird how these two teams are sort of just linked now. I mean, like they're not linked in the way that they want to help each other for sure. Um, that one, I don't, I don't mean that by any stretch of the imagination, but linked just between past moves and sort of like future prospects on a high level, not like player prospects, but just like the way things are sort of shaking out for both these teams is actually really in line. Like you said, um, and everyone knows if you're in Nets land and Rockets land too, because you feel, depending on which land you sit in, you feel about this situation very differently. Is that like, you know, the Nets future draft picks kind of all, all the important ones are going out to Houston here in the future, but also you know, if you're just tuning in from Nets world, you know, you might not know that Houston is sort of sitting in a very similar situation to the Nets where a lot of their future picks are off to OKC, right? <laughs> like sitting here into the future. And so now we have these two teams that don't really have don't really own a lot of their draft, have really no incentives to be bad in the short term, like in terms of tanking are linked between Harden <laughs> sort of forever with Harden. 
I don't know. How do you and, see and even, even so even some former coaches, right? Because now the Rockets have Ime Odoka as their head coach. They've got Royal yeah. Ivy as the first assistant coach that he hired. Both guys who were on the sidelines in Brooklyn dealing with James Harden back then when, you know, uh, during the, you know, short-lived big three era with Harden, Katie, and, and Kyrie Irving. So there are a lot of like just miscellaneous ties between these two organizations. And I do think it's funny, Doug, right? When you're looking around the NBA landscape now, it feels like every team owns another team's draft picks yeah. at this point because the the way that these big monumental blockbuster trades have been conducted, you know, over these last two or three years, three or four years, whatever it's been, is it's just like, all right, well, star player becomes available. All right, we're going to trade our next seven years worth of picks, four straight up picks, three swaps, and you're just going to own our draft capital for basically the next decade. And we're going to make this all in move for a guy, whether it's Rudy Gobert or Anthony Davis or Kevin Durant or James Harden, like all these names on the move. And at this point, nobody owns their own draft capital moving forward, except for like a handful of teams. It's like the OKC, the Spurs and like the, the Pelicans or something like that. Like, that's it. Like, that, those are the only two. There's a few, probably a few more. But like, yeah, no, we're in a really weird, just interesting situation where these two teams are sort of tied together. Okay, so let's start here. There's been rumors with almost every team now around how the draft sort of started shaking out in terms of the lottery and whether or not teams are going to be motivated to move in and off those picks um, in order to maybe play for this year. Like we talked uh, to the guys over at lockdown blazers, Mike um, and talked about this situation specifically having to do with Mikhail bridges. Um, and then there's been, you know, sort of like rumblings with Houston with the fourth pick about whether they're motivated to like, you know, draft and keep that, pick or to move off of it from like more of a win now move that might be tied to the aforementioned James Harden uh, if he were to come back into town and like try to win now because they don't have a lot of incentives to lose to, to lose in the short term what do you see them doing with that with that pick do you think there's a world where there's like deals to be had I mean are there worlds where the Nets can claw back some of these draft picks even that they have <laughs> that, that, that the Rockets own for the Nets like do you think they're motivated to start like wheeling and dealing in that form or fashion this offseason yeah, I think you know it's it's such a weird predicament this this Rockets team kind of finds itself in because as you pointed out right they don't own their draft capital moving forward the the picks owed to the Oklahoma City Thunder start to come back into play starting next season and unfortunately I think it's almost like a sunk cost kind of thing, like looking at that pick and thinking, oh, well, the Rockets have to be better this next season because you don't want to convey a top pick to the Thunder. No, like the pick is already gone. It's just, yeah. it, it would sting to convey like a, you know, a top five pick or, you know, five through 10 or whatever to OKC. And ideally you'd like to start seeing this team take those steps towards being a materially better organization. And that's definitely the direction the franchise wants to go. They've talked a lot about, this kind of being the end of phase one of the rebuild, and now they're going into phase two of the rebuild. Now, whether that means they take a significant, like, jump in the wins-loss column next season, and they're, you know, like, 15 wins better, I don't think that's realistic at this point, depending on, you know, could be what, you know, basically what some of the moves they make this offseason are. That number four pick, though, that's where things get really interesting, because at this point, it really is you know, your guess is as good as mine as far as honestly whether or not they want to actually take that selection and be content with, say, an Amon Thompson if he's available at pick number four, or if there's a name out there on the market that they could then, you know, that looks attractive to them that they could, you know, reasonably package that fourth overall pick four and get an immediate guy, somebody who can come into the lineup, maybe a starting caliber player, and be an immediate win-now kind of contributor. And I've even, you know, I've floated the idea around, there's a couple names that I would definitely, if I was the Houston Rockets, be really interested in looking at, and that's 
Mikhail Bridges is one of them with the Nets, and then Jalen Brown, should he not ink that extension with the Boston Celtics, two guys who are immediate win-now, all-star caliber type players, very good at their respective positions, and, you know, for both those organizations, Celtics and the Nets, you know, if you were to you know, deal one of those two calibers of player, you know, getting back the number four overall pick in a really stacked top heavy draft with some really interesting kind of blue chip prospects to be able to bring home. You could maybe do a lot worse at that point than, you know, dealing them for maybe a bunch of future firsts that are going to be like late first, late twenties, whatever, that kind of thing, depending on what the overall vibe is with the organization of where those teams are trying to go. Yeah. I, I, I totally see where that's coming from, and it makes a lot of sense. And we're at this re- very weird inflection point with the NBA. And this is the Adam and I are going to talk about later in the week. Is just like how it, basically like twenty six teams are probably not that happy with their situations, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like there's this, like some some insane number. Like it's the it's just a really really weird spot where you talked about with Houston possibly wanting to package things together for immediate upgrades with the assumption I'm I'm assuming you're thinking like Harden coming in through the door, right? Like if Harden's in the door and then you have um. I mean, I'm assuming you're speaking with that in mind, right? Like, yeah, yeah, to- a little bit, right? Because you know, they could, they could go the you know extend the runway kind of route and and just kind of slow play things, continue to just go with the development, draft the pick, take an Amon Thompson, and just kind of you know add some vets this offseason, call it a day. But if they want to go the accelerated route, then that's the route where okay, maybe they are banking on James Harden coming back, and if he is coming back, then how do you get him? You know, not necessarily a full blown running mate, somebody that's you know, because he's not going to be in a better situation than he is right now with Embiid and Philly to, to win a title. Harden coming back wouldn't be about winning titles. It would be about making the team competitive in the short term as it's kind of like a uh, a bit of a stopgap, if you will, while guys like Jalen and Jabari grow and kind of get back, you know, or I guess turn into the players that they're going to be at the NBA level and, and kind of come into their own as NBA guys. So, you know, at that point, can you get James Harden, you know, a piece or two to help him win some games right away. Again, not title contention overnight, but just some guys who can contribute to winning right out of the gate. Yeah, and it makes sense that this is why Bridges specifically continues to come up in conversations like this because he is this type of type of player. He's not a number one on a team. I don't think really anyone sees him as that. Maybe the Nets do. I, I don't know. They probably shouldn't, but they they might. <laughs> um, and they sure talk about him like he is. So uh, there's a world where they kind of maybe do view it that way. But with Bridges, it's clear like he would be a really good number two or like two B or something like that on a really good team. Like now, like this new iteration of him that we saw over the second half of the season that where he, you know, clearly took a, a monumental leap. Um, so it does it makes a lot of sense for why a team like Houston, like we talked about with Portland, why they would want to start targeting like this guy specifically. And I, I think you're right on with Jalen Brown too. They're definitely different players, but like conceptually it's, the, it kind of gets you to the same place. Right. Um, I, it is, it's funny because I'm, I'm of two minds and speaking with this, with the Portland, with, with Mike over in Port, uh, lockdown blazers, the Nets are in a really interesting situation where I do think it actually makes sense to like really explore these types of trades like really aggressively because they probably you don't get lots of bites of this kind of apple with just high leverage draft picks, a stacked draft class, teams that maybe right or wrong want to just go this new route and unload these picks in order to win now. You don't really get many chances to do stuff like this in terms of like culture, excuse me, organizational resets. I would be really interested in the Nets like aggressively trying or just asking for the moon for some of these things. I get worried that they wouldn't because of 
And we can talk about like what package might like they say yes to, because I think there probably is something from Houston that they would say yes to. You'll probably say no, but um, the, but just ha- having the chance to just even do it, I-, I think they should try. I'm worried that coming out of this, like this previous, frankly, this hardened move and like this Durant and Kyrie, or the, um, you know, the regime that kind of like sort of like submarine their franchise for the short term in terms of like what their you know goals were or whatever. I get worried that the optics around it would be something they wouldn't want to that that this it's like it's more it's it's actually like not really that much of a basketball decision. It's more of like a optics decision. So that's my that's my biggest concern with where the Nets are is that like, hey man, I think the Houston has a package that like they are probably like everyone would might win. Nets might not win now. <laughs> they might look bad for the short term, but you could really start clawing a lot of this stuff back. I'm just worried that they wouldn't do it because of how it might look to the fan base or ownership or whoever else. Yeah, I, I mean, there's definitely, and I, 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 this is something that I want to unpack and definitely hear your thoughts on specifically about kind of the opportunity to maybe get some of those picks back and kind of change the course, change the direction for the Nets organization because there's a bunch of different ways where I think the Rockets could be a really interesting trade partner with Brooklyn either by way of, again, targeting a Mikhail Bridges to bring him in as a win-now guy, uh, helping facilitate a three-team deal in this year's draft where the Rockets might be able to move up a pick or, you know, again, facilitate somehow doing something like that, where maybe the Nets walk away with the fourth overall selection in this year's draft, as well as some of their own future draft capital, getting some of that back, or potentially even being a Ben Simmons destination. That's one that I really want to hear your thoughts on a little bit later. All right, we'll get into all of that in a second. First, if you're trying to buy tickets right now, look, buying tickets to an event, sporting event, like we're talking about here, a concert, this should not be stressful. It should be easy. You just want to get, you want to go see you know, your favorite team. You want to go see your favorite act. You just want it to be easy. You want to know where you're going to sit. You want to know how much it's going to cost. You don't want to be stressed out. You have to use game time. GameTime.co is the place to go for fast and easy tickets. Make sure it's stress-free. They have flash deals and last minute stuff. It's easier to find and buy tickets for every event in your area. Um, you can get full images of the seat view so you know exactly where you're going to sit. They have a lowest price guarantee and event cancellation protection all cover there under game time. You don't have to even worry about planning months in advance. They got tons of stuff right now in your area at game time, ready to go. Basketball, well, actually not basketball, as we read into the playoffs, baseball concerts, comedy, theater, and more. You're always going to get the best price, and game time will even credit you 110% of the difference if you find a better deal somewhere else. Download the game time app, create an account, use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. You said the two words um, that is that makes uh, Nets fans kind of start to crawl into a ball or, you know, lose their minds or get totally off the reservation in terms of like uh, thinking sanely. And that's Ben Simmons. Let's just start here because you (laughs) can't say Ben Simmons. You can't say Ben Simmons. And then just like we, we wait 12 minutes to say it to say it again. It's just not how Nets fans operate. What do you see as a world? Like, Do you see it as a world? I mean, is there any world where you think Ben Simmons gets traded? I got to start there because yeah, I've well, not met so, a person. Oh, so, so yeah. So, so here, like, let, let's you know, let, let's let's operate again. We're gonna we're gonna get a little weird here on this podcast, right? Yeah, let's so, do it. First off, are, are Nets fans like is it like Beetlejuice or like Candyman? Where if I say Ben Simmons like three times in a mirror, do they just like show up and they're just like ah oh, Ben Simmons? Like, um, no. So <laughs> well, yeah, go ahead. I can I can give you the Ben Simmons. I can give you the Ben Simmons like uh, cliff notes. We'll, we'll, on, we'll, on we'll say we'll it. save that for another. I, I feel like I understand some of the you know animosity towards Ben Simmons. 
at this point. So it, it's cool, but um, we'll, we'll save the cliff notes for another episode. But look, you know, if you're the Nets, you're, you're straddled with the Ben Simmons deal, right? And it's it's easily the worst contract in the NBA at this point. It's an anchor oh, that's, yeah. that's preventing you from doing pretty much anything. So depending on where they're trying to go organizationally, right? If they want to bottom out, then that's a different discussion, right? If, they, if their goal is to get back some of their future draft capital from the Rockets and maybe institute their own version of like a very quick kind of rebuild, like a two, three year window of a rebuild, either by way of getting their hands on the fourth overall pick in this year's draft, and then maybe also getting back and regaining control of like next year's pick and then maybe removing the swap right on the 2025 pick. That would allow them effectively a very brief two-year window where you walk away with the pick from this year. Even though you didn't tank this year, you could get your hands on the fourth overall pick and then you get control of next year's pick and 2025, right? So you're just bad for two years, a quick little reset, very similar to kind of what the Rockets did in the aftermath of James Harden, right? They actually didn't want to tank right out of the gate. They had like a pseudo kind of scrappy John Wall, Victor Oladipo, Christian Wood, like they were, you know, they won like seven games in a row and then Christian Wood got hurt and it was like, it was all downhill from there. And so they kind of pivoted. And even though they had a chance to give up that pick to the Thunder, it was a basically a 50-50 coin flip. They held onto the pick and they got Jalen Green and that was the start of their rebuild. So it kind of worked out. But with Ben Simmons, this the angle here would be, I guess, if the Nets want to stay competitive, right? If they want to be able to get that contract off their books in some capacity, um the Rockets would be a prime candidate to just flat out absorb the Ben Simmons deal. And they could do so. First off, they have a history of, I guess they're perfectly content to pay basketball players to not play basketball at this point. They did it oh, yeah. with John Wall for a whole season. They just told him to go hang out in Miami and called it a day, paid him a max contract to do that. Um, as far as Ben Simmons goes, right, they could, if, if the Rockets are of the mind that they don't necessarily have to make a bunch of win now moves this next season, if they're not, you know, tied to the idea of bringing back James Harden, that kind of thing, they've got a little over 60 million in cap space. I think, I think there's a very legitimate world where either as a one for one trade, or I, I think it would make maybe more sense as part of a three team deal where you do then loop in a third team, uh, maybe the Blazers or the Hornets, you know, one of those two two teams a little bit higher up in the draft. If the Rockets have their eyes set on like a guy like Scoot Henderson, then you loop in the nets, you involve them in some capacity to be able to get Ben Simmons to Houston as like, you know, a part of that trade package. And maybe you're moving on from Ben Simmons. You're sending Mikhail Bridges out, but you're getting an influx of other talented players. Like there's, there's a permutation there. I think that makes sense to where you can come up with a way to get rid of Ben Simmons and offload that contract. And the Rockets still walk away feeling pretty good about it, even though they've got to deal with having Ben Simmons on the book for a couple seasons. And see, this is funny because, right, so that is, it, it, you're totally right about Simmons. We all know the contract is as bad as it gets. Um, Nets fans are well acquainted with this. It's a really tough situation. It's it's a, it's a terrible hamstring issue, not not physical hamstring. Like It hamstrings your entire organization yeah. to have a contract like this. It's because to even begin thinking about moving on to it, the, actually the most relevant thing is that of all the things that you said that was right at the end, or the the, the, the reality piece of it was this, was like to get off Simmons, you would actually probably have to have be off Mikhail too. It'd be like a full thing, right? Like Because you'd have to start sending out because he's such a value to get off the other contract the Simmons piece you'd have to start sending bridges out again I do think there is a world where this does make sense <laughs> like there where if you just say hey look it didn't work we got an incredible asset back with bridges we have a toxic asset in terms of Simmons 
we're headed into a really weird salary cap world here coming up in the next couple of years where, you know, having these guys gets progressively worse and worse each year that you have it. Now, maybe Simmons comes off the book soon enough, probably to not totally kill you with it, but you just can't do anything else with the contract on the books anyway. So like getting off of it does try to make sense. I would really consider doing moves like this, even if it meant not looking great in the, in the short term, it's like, Hey, we have to send out Simmons. We send out, Bridges, we get back our draft picks. We get the fourth pick this year. You know, like we get, you know, maybe some young player back of like, you know, the the, the few guys that the Rockets have now or something like that. I, I do think there's a world where I would not be opposed to it. It's just such a, it's just such a, it's almost it's it's, it's like not, a weird I mean, it's like a weird tightrope to kind of walk because you have to try and figure out like okay is offloading right if you're going to be bad in the short term anyways is offloading Simmons worth it but again to me it's you know and I've 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 thought this for like the better part of like six months like going back to the trade deadline and Kevin Durant you know trying to get his way out of Brooklyn and ultimately he wound up being dealt to the Phoenix Suns but I was sitting here thinking man like if there's some way that the Rockets can get involved in a Brooklyn Nets deal you know as they're trying to facilitate a KD trade getting re-involved with the Nets, right? It, it, to me, and you can push back on this if you want to, Doug, I feel like these these Nets picks have the most like intrinsic value to Brooklyn of any other team in yes. the association, yes. right? Because if Brooklyn gets their hands back on their own picks, then they control their own destiny, right? Because then they can decide, oh, we want to bottom out this year. We're okay being bad because right now the Nets are in the same position the Rockets are in where they have no reason to be bad next season because if you're bad next season, you're conveying a top pick to the Rockets. But if you get your hands on those picks again, whatever it may cost, then suddenly you have an opportunity for a little like short scale rebuild, whatever you call it. And that and that and see, this is that's the whole key to it, right, is those picks, because as long as the the Rockets would almost be well, they can't be incentivized to do it because they wouldn't have the pick. But as long as the Rockets have these Nets picks, the Nets are not going to try to be bad. Right. So the picks are almost definitely never are never going to like land in the lottery or at least the Nets will not do it without really taking swings to not make it happen. Look, they didn't even have to do it this year. And we saw them probably incorrectly try to make the playoffs just because. I don't know, like nice guy discounts or something like that. I'm not exactly even sure why they did it. Um, but we've already seen the Nets try in situations where they shouldn't even have been trying like this season. If they don't have those picks, they are they will do everything in their power to not be in the lottery because that's just not how they operate. So those picks for the Rockets are almost like destined, like you said, never to be that good short of just some kind of catacly cataclysmic event on the Nets' behalf. And that could happen, right? Like, they have ways to be really bad, um, for sure. But they're just never going to try to be bad. And so I almost think the Rockets could be incentivized to, like, start moving off it if they got things back, too, for that reason. It's like, hey, look, how good are these picks ever going to be? <laughs> like, yeah, I, these I, guys these guys are trying. These guys are trying. How good are they going to be? They're just – they're never going to fall on the top the, – the, the top. I mean, I, I never dude, say never. I, I've, I've No, I've joked before. These 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 picks kind of feel like crypto, right? They feel like Bitcoin, where it's just, like, every time <laughs> some drama has happened with the Nets, it's like the picks are – woo! Like, they're going all the yeah. way up, and then, like, things settle back down, and you're like, oh, man, okay, they're back to being, like, so-so. And then, like, you know, then Kyrie says something, it's like, woo! Ooh, the picks are going back up. Like it's just, it's been a roller coaster. Like every time something goes down and there's like drama with the Nets, we've been like at Locked on Rockets. We do like the occasional like Brooklyn Nets pick watch where we're like just hey, quick update. Like there's this drama breaking up, you know, in Brooklyn. Like how does this impact the picks? Like what what can the Rockets maybe do with these now? I want your thoughts though, Doug. On like 
you know, we, we saw some reporting, right? Mikhail Bridges, you know, the, the Nets, you know, potentially wanting to get some, you know, future draft capital back for him, you know, potentially exploring, you know, that kind of a deal, you know, a, a framework for that kind of a deal. Um, I mean, how, like at this point, how do you evaluate Mikhail Bridges? Like, how, like what in your mind would be an appropriate return for him as a player at this current stage? Okay, so I'm going to give two answers and they run in parallel because I think there's like the real world Mikhail Bridges value, which I think is very high. And then there's how the organization views him, which is much higher, right? So like this and and it's problematic because it it it, it sort of hamstrings where the Nets like can go with this. I think a real I'll put it in real terms. Like the number 3 pick plus like Anthony I'm going with the Blazers here for a second. The number 3 pick plus Anthony Simons plus like another future pick or something like that from the Blazers. I think actually that's pretty fair, right? Like if for Mikhail Bridges, I think that that is, you know, that's Miller. It's a young guard and it's, you know, a future asset and something like that. Maybe something else a little that gets, that's pretty fair. I do actually think the number four pick this year, maybe one of the Rockets young guys, right? Like Jabari or something like that. Um, and, the, the two of the Nets picks back or something like that, or one of them back for future seasons. I think that's actually getting pretty close in, in real world terms. Um, the problem and, and specifically it's because it's a Nets pick and it's not the Rockets pick. Right. Cause like we, you know, how many times have we seen these like unprotected picks? I know they go off all the time. They never convey to like a third pick because these teams try too much, right? Like it never happens that way. So like, it, it's just not going to happen if it was, if, as long as it's the, the Brooklyn's pick, I think it's fine. Now I think that's probably getting close to fair. The problem, it goes back to what we said at the beginning. The Nets view him as the return for KD. And when you are the return for Kevin Durant, and you are sort of the face of the end of this failed superstar experiment, which he now definitely is. (laughs) Like, he is the face of that entire... He's the face by, of the, by no fault of his own, unfortunately. Right? This is just well, it's like the, such, he's uh, like the face in a good way, in yeah. a good way. Like he's the savior. Like that's the rest of a better word. Like, which also is like putting too much pressure on him, probably too. But like he's sort of like the hey, look, look who's not Kevin Durant and James Harden and Kyrie Irving. Like, look who says all the right things, plays every single game, is young, is we got a good return on. Him. Like he's all the Nets are definitely view him as the anti those guys <laughs> and when you are like that organizationally it's just not an it's just not enough you know what i mean <laughs> like it's like it's it's you can't i don't think you can package enough so that's why i try to give like two answers to this it's like i think that one rockets package is probably close in a real world scenario i don't sometimes think the nets are operating like fully in the real world when it comes to like how they view some of their own assets yeah, and and when I look at things from from the Rockets' angle here, you know, if I if I'm as far as what I think the organization is likely to do, I don't think they're likely to trade up in the draft. I think they're going to be ultimately very content with whoever lands at number four. Maybe Scoot Henderson slips a little bit down to four. Maybe Amon Thompson completely blows teams away in workouts. Uh, Brandon Miller, whoever. They, it's very much like last year where it was a three-player draft with Bancaro, Holmgren, and Jabari Smith Jr., and they were going to be content with Bancaro, and then things changed last minute, and Jabari kind of, they kind of fell ass backwards into Jabari at pick number three, and it worked out for them. And I feel like it's going to be the same thing this year, where whichever of those three guys after Wimby is left there at pick number four, they're just going to take, and they're going to be very content with it. However, 
I view this as, you know, I, I basically view Scoot Henderson, at, you know, in his own tier as far as a prospect is concerned. And, you know, I think across the league internally, there's a lot of organizations that kind of are very high on Scoot Henderson and what he might be able to bring to the table. There's also apparently, like, Amon Thompson has been up on, like, people's boards as, like, high as two internally around yeah. the league. So I think it's kind of, you know... Uh, a bit of a toss up at this point, who goes where. And I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a given at this point that we know with absolute certainty, Oh, it's going to be scoot number two and Miller number three or Miller number two and scoot number three or Amit. No, like we just don't know what direction these teams are going to go. But if I was the Rockets and if I was in the driver's seat, I would be identifying Scoot Henderson as like a, the biggest position of need for this Rockets organization. And then B, what do you do to go get him? Right. What are you willing to give up to not leave it to chance that he might fall to pick number four? What would you be willing to forego? And, you know, I, I floated on the bird app the other day, that hypothetical, that three-way trade between the nets, the Rockets and the blazers actually, where the return that the nets get rather than, uh, and Anthony Simons and the number three pick, it was the number four pick and then some combination of their own future assets back. So you don't get like an immediate, you know, tangible return on Mikhail Bridges if you're the Nets in that scenario where the Rockets would walk away with the, thir- the number three pick, Brooklyn gets the number four pick and Portland walks away with Mikhail Bridges. But at, at least at a bare minimum, you have the number four pick and then control of your next year's pick 2024. And then I'd probably go so far as to even include removing the swap rights off 2025. So then that becomes your return from Mikhail Bridges, basically a three-year window where you get the number four pick and then two years of being allowed to bottom back out and accrue top talent via the draft. I think that's at least a good starting point as far as discussions go uh, for the Rockets to maybe be able to find a way to trade up in the draft. All right, I want to respond to that. Uh, I'm going to do that here in a second. First, going to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks every single day of the NBA playoffs and the finals. Finals might be coming here sooner than later. Uh, Prize Picks is going to give one user a chance of becoming a millionaire. You like to hear that. If you get whoever places an entry uh, after 8 p.m. Eastern each day will be randomly selected for a six pick flex with the following payouts six picks, $1 million, five, 80,000, four, 16,000. You have to go to prizepicks.com slash million. Prizepicks is daily fantasy made super easy. All you're doing on prizepicks, you go picking two to six players. You're trying to figure out if they're going to go more or less than their prize picks projection. You can win up to 25 times your money for NBA. That's super easy. Points, assists, rebounds, blocks, steals, more or less for each of these different players. You're not competing against other players people out there. It's just you versus the projections available. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up to play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit 100, PrizePix will give you 100. You can figure out all the other numbers all the way down there. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. All right, we can start closing this thing out here. Let's just talk like real world view here. Like, do you think, you know, scale of 10, it happens, one, it doesn't happen. How how likely do you think the Rockets are to kind of just stick with this pick here um, when it's all said and done? Or do you think we actually might start getting weird? Like, I, I don't know. I feel like we're in a really wild westy territory with the NBA right now. It's like crazy that we're talking about the three and four picks like like this <laughs> like, they, like like they just might be you know gone right no i i think if i had to place a number on a scale of one to ten uh i'm gonna say as far as ten, 10 being they're just gonna keep the pick no movement whatsoever whatever um 
I think I'm going to say like a seven. Like I'm, I'm fairly confident at this point that they're just going to hold on to the pick and be content with whoever's there. I think there still is a little bit of wiggle room there. Again, some of this is dependent on, you know, how, how aggressive and how committed they maybe are to bringing back a James Harden, right? And then whether or not they want to, again, package that pick and get a set of impact guys. I do have one more hypothetical that I want to throw your way if the Rockets did go more of a win-now route. Uh, It's a trade from earlier this season that some Rockets fans were toying around with. But I do also want your thoughts on that that last three-team deal that we talked about last segment. Um, yeah, so the three team deal, I still think it's just probably just not enough, right? Like, it's just, it, I think the Nets can't, I, I hate to keep rounding it back into this, like, this cultural opinion of like where the Nets land. I just think that, like, it would have to be so much. And I, I honestly think, I think the Nets are, I think Marks and company operate in this world. Like, the return for Bridges, this sounds so nuts. It would actually have to be like more than they got for Durant, which was Bridges. <laughs> Like they, they would, it would have, I, I don't really know another way to phrase it. Like that's just how they view this guy. Now it's viewed because as no matter what, right. If you take, if you somehow take an L on the return for the Mikhail Bridges trade, then like that just looks bad from an optics and like PR perspective, right? Keeping him, you cannot look bad. Like they can't look bad now. <laughs> like there's like, it looks fine. He's good. He's better than they thought there was going to be. They got the Phoenix picks. Like they got Cam Johnson, Cameron Johnson back in here too. So like, they're probably going to end up re-signing him. He's the other sort of like 1A face of that trade. I think like they'll do everything they can to keep that together because they view it as this weird torch passing from one generation to the next. And I think they would actually like need to get, honestly, more <laughs> than, than, and maybe, maybe they should, maybe like Bridges is that good. And like he's, he exceeded expectations in such a way that maybe the package is more than for, you know, late thirties, Kevin Durant. So I might not be totally wrong. It's just that, Again, parallel tracks. Does, here. Does, does your answer change if I say go ahead and throw Ben Simmons in there? Because like there's there's so okay. many like well, there's no, my more... answer will never change. Like yeah. oh I see what you're saying. Like would the Nets change? Yeah, because yeah, because then from yeah. a PR perspective, it's like all right, y'all floated Ben Simmons, right? Y'all floated Ben Simmons. You got some of your picks back. Like you know, you you walk away, you're able to really bottom out at that point. You're like all right, sayonara, Mikhail. Appreciate the the little half season stint you did with us, but. You're getting control of your future back. You get to bottom out. You don't get a tangible, like other than the number four, whatever, whoever you draft at number four, Amon Thompson, whatever, like that becomes your blue chip prospect. But, you know, then you get to bottom out. You don't have the anchor of Ben Simmons holding you down anymore. You don't have to worry about trying to offload that. I don't know. I, I just, I think there's so many different permutations, so many different pathways for a trade here. It almost feels like something is bound to happen. But at the same time, I think that it might be like, what, what is it? Uh, Occam's razor. Like this, the likeliest outcome is just nothing happens. <laughs> like the simplest. Yeah, outcome. I would say in normal, in normal years, I actually would say that's the case. I do think we are entering this very weird situation with the NBA where again, like so many teams are unhappy with their situations, like an unprecedented number of teams that do are just either a bounce from the playoffs too early don't like the rebuilds where they're going right now, like are sort of like in no man's land, dead man territory. I do think there's the most we've ever seen in the NBA where it's going to be like the, the the Nuggets are going to feel pretty good about themselves, assuming they close this out. The Heat are going to feel good. I think like four teams that didn't make the playoffs feel okay <laughs> with their situations and everyone else is incentivized to just make it look different. Like, We've seen it with the coaches. They just we got it's got to look different on the on the bench, right? Like all these coaches getting fired. It's got to look different with the players. It might not. I actually do every other year. I would say Occam's Razor applies to the situation because it usually does. It's like hard to trade these things. This season does feel like the ground is shifting in the NBA, and I actually don't think it would take much for it to really start to topple. Like 
Harden resigning with the Rockets, let's say, is a huge domino, <laughs> right? It, it kills the Sixers, and then they have to decide what they're going to do, and like, and right on down the line. Like, honestly, even things like if the Rocket, it's so minor, but like if the if let's say Cam Cam Johnson, they match his offer or make him yep. an offer, then that's don't match. That would actually start the, some weird dominoes falling, <laughs> like for the for for the Nets. Like there, there, there are, are a lot of Rockets fans that want Cam Johnson in a Rockets jersey. So I mean, I, I would definitely be on the lookout for the Rockets to to get involved in a in a contract offer. At least, let me ask you a quick question because Nets fans will want to know this. Sure. What do you just what do you think about bringing Harden back here? I'm sure you talked about it in your on your pod already. Like, but um, the like just like from a Nets from a Nets point of view, because believe me, people still have James Harden very much front of mind <laughs> in, in Nets world. Like, are you welcoming that? You can give like your 30 second answer because I'm sure you've done it a ton in the pod. But um, the, like, do you do you welcome that walking him walking back in the door here, or do you think it's like a step in the right direction, wrong direction, sideways? Like, I don't know. It it all depends on a, on two things: one, the expectations, and two, the logistics for how it happens. Expectations need to be if the organization is trying to bring him back because they want a band aid fix back to contention, and they're like, oh, he's going to get us back to the promise. Like, no, that's that's a terrible way to view it. He is not that guy anymore. He'll be 34 years old at the start of next season. Um, um, if you're viewing him as a stopgap, a guy to bridge the gap between, you know, now and, and, you know, be the table setter and kind of usher in the new age with Jalen and Jabari and just kind of be the guy who can kind of teach them and kind of get them back to playing some competitive basketball, not championship basketball, but some competitive basketball. He's a good floor raiser. Then I'm all for it. But then you have to factor in the logistics, right? Is it at four years, 200 million? If that's the case, keep him as far away from Houston as possible, right? That is going to be a contract <laughs> that is going to look like an albatross yeah. in years three and four. Absolutely. Assuming he doesn't fall off a cliff sooner than that. Now, if you get him on more of a sweetheart deal, if it's four years, 120 million, you know, if he's willing to take a discount to come home, which all signs are pointing towards, he's not willing to do that at this point. Uh, those are kind of the parameters around it, right? It's, it's so much about the expectations surrounding him and the logistics about how you pull it off. I do think the dark horse contender for how they could maybe meet a middle ground uh, and actually maybe help the Sixers a little bit in this is a sign and trade with James Harden, where... If he signs, say, something like a four-year, $160 million deal, so he's making 40 a year instead of, like, 50 or instead of all the way down at 30, so kind of a middle ground, you could maybe then trade him to Houston via sign-and-trade. Houston sends back some pieces, um, you know, KPJ, Jay Shantae, just some some pieces with some movable salary so that Daryl Morey can try to pull a rabbit out of his hat further down the line later this offseason. Uh and have some matching salary for outgoing trades, that kind of stuff. Maybe there's a version of that that works out to where Daryl doesn't completely leave this thing empty-handed if James Harden does want to force his way out of Philly. So I do think that is kind of the dark horse contender for a way that this whole thing kind of coalesces. And if you're the Rockets and you pull off a sign-and-trade for James Harden, you don't fully eat into that 62-ish million of cap space, especially if you're offsetting that by sending out some salary as well. You'd still have some salary to play around with and be able to go out and sign some other veterans to pair with James Harden upon his return yeah i get it and, and these are really scary times for some of these contracts right like these yeah. are really these are the, not the years to like start piling in 50 million dollar guys who you're not sure how the last leg of this is going to look right because there's already been like the warning signs on harden and and when you're on multiple teams and and you know over multiple years and kind of flamed out in these kind of very similar ways it, it does put a scary face on it and so i don't know <laughs> go ahead <laughs> well so and i wanted your thoughts on this one here because this was one that got floated earlier this season. It was met with like oh, yeah. a, a down the middle. It was like Rockets fans were like split 50 50 on this, which means it was a good trade yes. um, is some version. And again, we'd have to work out the picks and whatever else is included. But basically the framework is Alper and Shingoon is the piece going to Brooklyn. And then Mikhail Bridges and Nick Claxton are coming to Houston. Now, again, we factor in 
the number four overall pick, which we know now is the number four overall pick. Earlier this season, we didn't know where the pick was going to be, so it's number four overall. Also, the future Nets capital, you could maybe even factor in at throwing Ben Simmons into the deal as far as like, hey, the Rockets are just going to take on like all this. They're going to absorb $60 million worth of contracts from the Nets straight into their cap space or whatever. Um, is there a framework there that you think might work out? Again, we, t- we talked about Mikhail Bridges and the, uh, you know, how internally the Nets regard him, but Alperin Shingun is an insanely talented young guy, right? Being able to start your rebuild with him and the number four overall draft pick, as well as getting your own draft capital back. This would be, the caveat here would be the Rockets would go this direction if they had James Harden in tow, because then you have a starting lineup essentially of Harden, Green, Mikhail Bridges, Jabari Smith Jr., Nick Claxton at the five. Like that is, you know, with, with the pieces that they still have coming off the bench, like that's a pretty lethal starting five right out of the gate. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. I you're gonna catch a ton of, of flack here in the comment section for mentioning Claxton in this trade. I can already tell. I can already tell how the comment. I'm gonna tell her the YouTube comments. Oh, oh, the, oh, Rockets um, fans are gonna hate me for trading Shingun. So it's I'm gonna catch flack on both the, sides. Hey, it's fantastic. Look, welcome to the NBA, baby, because this is everyone's everyone's guys. Is you know it's like selling your own house. You know, you, yeah. <laughs> your house has got problems until you put it up for sale, and then like it's just you know it's worth you know hundred thousand more than anyone would ever even hope to pay for it. I, this is how the Claxton situation is. I don't think that situation. Uh, Claxton's kind of got the similar, it's a similar vibe for him where he's, he is insane value now too, because they actually signed him to such a great contract. Mm -hmm. And he, he's another example of a guy who just completely outplayed the contract, like just by so, so much. He was so good this year. He's probably the Nets. I mean, by the end of the season, like their second best player for the whole season, something like that. Like he was, he was just really, really good. I don't think that that would, is realistic to, to have happen. I do think that there's worlds where like you're maybe not bringing Nick Claxton back long term. And so like if you were thinking about a full strip down here, he would be another guy to start. Then you're then you're really starting to talk about getting like everything back. Right. Like you were going to walk in with a clean cap like it's you have all your stuff back. You have young players like Eamon or whoever falls to four. I think. Because, like, again, Claxton, this, he's expiring this year. Like, he's 8.7 this year. That's contract's insane. Like, that's an incredible, incredible deal. He's going to he's gonna demand a lot more, right? I don't know if he's, like, a guy you want to completely overpay into the future, even though how good he is. So, because just, you know, there's offensive limitations and stuff like that. So, again, I would always be entertaining this stuff because I actually do think, and these are really hard organizational choices, man. It's hard. It's hard to trade. It's hard to trade James Harden when he wants out. Like it's hard to trade anybody and anyone who's good. It's it's hard to trade whether they ask or not. So it, it takes a lot of thought and there's a lot more factors than you know two guys sitting behind a microphone that you know think it's a good idea or not. Yeah, our, will, armchair, will, our armchair GMs over here. <laughs> but I but I'll say this though about that: there are times where the armchair GMs can ma- sometimes sometimes make more rational decisions about like what is just a good sort of like. A or B situation about what you should do, and you because you're not tied into like season ticket holders, and you know the like what the side of thinks. it, yeah, and the, the business PRs, side, the like, optics, like all that, yeah, and I and that all matters, it all matters, like, but I do think there are times where, and this I do think this actually represents one of those times is where it's you. I wish that there would be a little more sort of like cold heartedness about this. <laughs> <laughs> like because I think a cold hearted side of, of of a GM would say, look at these things, and be like, hey, it's time to reset. We have an incredible opportunity to do it now. 
The Rockets might want to do it. The Blazers might want to do it. We should really, really think about it. Now we can ask for the world. Like they might say yes. <laughs> you know, like the Nets said yes to all the, to the world one time and the Suns said yes to the world another time. Like teams will eventually get there. Um, I don't think that that is likely to happen. But again, if it was put on the table, I, I think there'd be some fan that fans that would be like, I'll hang up the phone instantly. I just wouldn't be one of them. I'm very excited to see Nets fans flame me in the YouTube comments on your channel, and I'm excited to see Rockets fans flame Again, me baby, in the YouTube like, comments on like, my channel. It's going to be great. All right. Jackson Gatlin, Locked On Rockets. Thanks so much. If you're listening on the Rockets feed, Doug Norrie, Locked On Nets. Really appreciate chopping this up. I have a feeling we're going to be talking again. Um, I just, you got me, the, you have me churning enough now, I think, that made me think that like this is not going to be the last time we talk. You, you had my curiosity. Now you have my attention. There we go. That's, that's what it is. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, thanks for tuning into another Locked On crossover event. Make sure you subscribe, whichever channel you're listening to over on YouTube. That's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all podcast platforms. We're also available on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.